I'm going to move on, and we're going to get into the final topic of today's episode, which is space. We're going to have a little discussion about space. We, a lighthearted episode, so to speak. Uh, I think this is an important topic to discuss. Uh, space is cool, always cool, but I think that this one in particular gives me a good excuse to talk about it again. So we have the Indian lunar mission successfully landing on the moon. Uh, there was a Russian lunar launch as well. They were trying... Now, that launch, unfortunately, had issues and it couldn't make the journey. Uh, so it, while it would have been cool to see both of these sort of uh, missions go, going on simultaneously to one another and to sort of get a, a compare and contrast to the missions and the goals that each one was up to, uh, and especially uh, the success of each, because the one that India launched went to the, the Chandrayaan-3. That one landed in the South Pole of the moon. Now, I'm not entirely sure where the Russian lunar mission was supposed to go, whether that was supposed to go into orbit around the moon or if it was going to go land somewhere on the moon. Maybe the North Pole, maybe the dark side of the moon, you know. Not entirely sure, but it would have been nice to have that side-by-side comparison going on at the same time. Uh, Not just for the novelty of having two lunar missions going on at the same time. That's cool. But to see, because everyone's looking for everyone's playing hardball now. People are starting to play hardball. We're looking for the resources. We're looking for the money, you know? So to see which of these missions was more successful while they're doing this, these operations side by side, it would have been cool. But ultimately, either way, I think it is necessary. Now, the Chandrayaan mission, because this is the one that we have more info on and this is the one we're going to talk about, uh, that mission, uh, I think I brought it up briefly uh, about a month or two ago when we discussed that it launched the chandrayaan 3 that thing costs 75 million dollars just 75 million this whole mission altogether was funded with 75 million so in theory and here's the potential this is what we want in theory if this thing costs 75 million dollars then in the future you could conduct or at the very least the indians could conduct multiple lunar missions simultaneously by themselves which is exactly the kind of traffic and density of activity we would need to actually do something useful on the moon that's what we want we want to have spacecraft lift lifting off every every few weeks or so that's what we want now spacex i think launched like their their 5000th um starlink satellite uh actually i'll I'll look up the number exactly i think it was 5000 uh but yeah this is this is what we want we want lots of activity going from earth to the moon so that we can do useful tangible and meaningful things on the moon that's what we want that's what we want uh starlink satellite And and while I while I attempt to find the number of Starlink satellites, I'll sort of move on. But yeah, seventy five million dollars, like in today's money, even with today's money, seventy five million dollars. My goodness, that is cheap. That's cheap. Now I wonder. I do wonder if they have uh, this sort of m- multiple launch and re-entry ability that SpaceX has, I'm not sure that they do. I'm not sure that they do. 
Oh, 4,500 Starlink satellites are currently in the sky. That's a lot, which means that SpaceX has been very, very busy. So, yeah, because now how many of those go up every time they launch a rocket? <clears throat> how many? 4,500. Because I knew, I knew I saw the number and I was like, what? How? That's insane. But India, $75 million and they do this, a lunar mission, not just launching something into orbit, but a, a whole lunar mission. They could have multiple missions going on simultaneously just by themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Scientific expeditions are cool and they will be an integral part of space-based operations. Uh, they they always will be. That's just how space is. We we know so little about space that literally everything is in a sense going to be uh, a uh, an a spa uh, scientific expedition. Scientific expedition. Okay, so a Falcon Nine can launch twenty two Star Starlink satellites uh, by itself. So a single every launch they can bring up at, at least twenty two Starlink satellites. So these things must be pretty small. So yeah, we want this, and while while scientific expeditions are nice, they are ultimately paid for by us. Yeah, they're paid for by us. They're they're cool and they're necessary as a part of space travel. They're they're you're never gonna get rid of them. They're sort of they're a feature, not a bug of space travel. But scientific expeditions do not pay for themselves. They are paid for. So if our actions in space have to be subsidized every time we go up, then we run the risk of space being shelved because of costs, like what happened here in America, where they shelved the lunar missions, the Apollo program. And we really didn't get much happening up in space. We had the, the novelty of the, the International Space Station, but I think the International Space Station is going to come down in a few years, actually. And there's talk of Russia and China coming together to make a new one. And they're probably going to be working with India, the UAE, and perhaps the European Union. There's going to be a new space station. Will we be a part in building it? Maybe. Oh, shoot. Uh, will they Will they let SpaceX put a module on the on the new International Space Station? Who knows? But this time, I imagine that the space station is going to be less of a uh, an accomplishment and more of a novelty. Like I, I called the first one a novelty, but this time it's really going to be a novelty because in this new age, it's going to be all about the moon. This new age of space and space exploration is going to be all about the moon. Now, will people want people want to go to Mars? Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. People do want to go to Mars. People want to be able to, the first to plant their flag on Mars, to land a man on Mars. And while I think we can do it, especially with space, if we have a SpaceX rocket going there, it's a bit of a, a hollow victory to me. Like it, it's massive, massive prestige. You know? It's massive prestige, so it's, it's not like it doesn't matter. But in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather show up to the party late and do more meaningful things than to be the first to do everything, if you understand what I'm saying. The being the first is nice to get there, but if all you're gonna do is plant a flag, look around a little bit, and then leave, well, what have you really done? 
I want a base on Mars. As a, I want a colony on Mars. As a matter of fact, I want to terraform Mars. Okay, I have ambitions, folks. I have ambitions. Well, what, what, what about the life on Mars? Uh, sorry, too bad. Man, look, it's humanity first. Once, once we go past Earth, it's humanity first. It, it's not just America first. It's humanity first. All them alien, uh, they gotta go. No, it's it's us. This is our time. This is our time. This is our space. This is our safe space, guys. <laughs> but yeah, we want the pay dirt because the scientific expeditions don't pay for themselves, and we don't want space to be put on the back burner because it costs too much money to do. We need space to pay for itself so that it doesn't matter whether, uh, oh, when this, it, this or that administration isn't necessarily interested in space. We want space operations to be able to continue on irrespective of government. Now, it's going to take government to get there, which is how it usually is with big infrastructure projects, but that's the role of government. You, you want you use the government to do the things that private business is unwilling to take the risks for. You do that, and then you use the basic infrastructure, and from there, private business can expand and take the reins. That's how it's supposed to, that's, that's the partnership. That's the give, and, the give and take between the public and the private. You don't want the public to do everything, and you don't necessarily want the private to do everything either. You want the balance. The government is there for a reason use it that, that's the what i've come around to when it comes to economic policy and i think it works with space the government is probably going to be the one to have to set up bases on the moon and from there you can let private business be it spacex or whatever virgin galactic whoever else ends up making their own rockets you can let them come in and use those government bases because uh, they'll not to pay you a sum of money to use them of course you know make it profitable Make it profitable for, for everybody involved. Make it pay for itself, cover the costs so that you can keep doing it. And then from there, you have basic infrastructure that private business can use to do business. Because there's there be gold in our stars. In, in our case, it's the moon. Now, the Chandrayaan went to the south pole of the moon to look for water, min some mineral resources, but really water and like helium-3. So, but from what I, from what I'm, I think it's really the water that they're after. I think it's really the water that they're after. And maybe, maybe they have uh, some plan of having a, a base in the South Pole where they can collect water. And then because the gravity is so low on the moon, you can cheaply ship it across the moon uh, to say the, the, the equator of the moon. I'll say the equator because that's the part that gets the most sunlight and the parts in that get a lot of sunlight that, that's where the helium 3 is that uh, from what i've heard from what i've heard on the subject because it's it, it's an isotope that come, that's emitted emitted from the sun so the more sunlight you get out there in space uh the more helium 3 you can get uh now our atmosphere filters out a lot of the helium 3 which is why you really only find it in the remains of nuclear weapons but out in space there's less obstacles towards helium-3 uh, and its formation in, say, the soils of the moon. So you'd want to go to the equator if you want helium-3. So the fact that India is going to the South Pole means that they're really looking for water. I think that's what it's They're looking for ice, specifically. 
so maybe they have plans to be able to have their own water supply and from water you can create oxygen because you just separate the hydrogen from the oxygen and boom and you can use that it's a very basic chemical thing where you use electricity to do that so if you have solar power and you have ice well you can use the solar power to heat up the water so to, be, uh, to heat up the ice to where it becomes water and then you can use the electricity to separate the hydrogen from the oxygen and boom now you don't need to bring oxygen with you from earth so perhaps perhaps that's the long game angle we're looking at here again this is speculation but you know what it's space we're going to speculate but yeah now that'd be a revolution uh the to for sustained sustained operations on the moon because you can bring you don't have to bring all your oxygen with you or all your water with you you just have to bring your food now there's the kicker but if you have oxygen and water because you're getting it from the ice on the south pole of the moon and you build a, a series of sort of little outposts leading up to where you're trying to go on the moon perhaps leading up to the equator of the moon and you can get between these outposts fairly quickly because of how low the moon's gravity is you could have a very basic logistics system to supply missions to say the moon's equator or somewhere nearby with water with ice crystals from the south pole which then means you only have to continually feed them you have to you have to keep sending them uh rockets to with food and little food packages because you know they, the, the powdered food up in space so you, at that point you only have to make sure they're fed with food and because they have water and oxygen and that would be the first major infrastructure project that we have up in space and that'd be necessary and from there you can have sustained operations on the moon which means you can actually do things like dig for the helium three dig for real mineral resources you can start use you can start assembling the 3d printers that can print out the the heavy machinery that you're going to need to do some reels and serious intense mining operations on the moon to find not just ice crystals and helium three but you want to find the iron you want to find tin and the aluminum the you know the the lighter metals which are probably there but the iron especially uh well what they want the iron i mean i guess it would make the spacecraft a little bit stronger but you know, it's pretty heavy the titanium ah that's what we want but what they find titanium on the moon i'm sure there's probably a deposit or two definitely aluminum but once you once you start to mine metals on the moon now you don't have to ship them from the earth so now you just steadily build up the industrial capacity to manufacture and with 3d printers if you have advanced some advanced enough 3d printers you might not even need the full industrial capacity the like we have on earth to build things module by module if you can have a simple enough spaceship design that can be 3d printed in zero gravity then you only need to take the metal and turn it into a resin load the resin up on well i say resin i'm really referring to uh, the fuel uh, uh the ink in the 3d pen so to speak for printing 3d objects even if it's printing metal 
all you need to do is turn the metal you mine into, you know, 3D printer um, material, you know. Uh, there's a word I'll just refer to as resin, even though resin is like plastic. But yeah, you take that metal, you turn it into a, you make it accessible for a 3D printer, and then the 3D printer can print your spaceship on the moon. On the moon. And then you can use the hydrogen that you separated from the, from the, the water when you were creating oxygen, and you can use the hydrogen, the H2, as the fuel for your rockets. And it's it's... Man, look, we could be on the cusp of something really, really big here. Uh, and it all starts with being able to have sustained operations on the moon. Which I think the Indians are going for. I think India is going for the gold, figuratively and literally. And this is what we want. Beyond the potential of helium-3, like not even, not even counting that. The water ice on, alone on the moon would potentially enable us to do these things in the long term. And space is an incredibly rich place. Like once we turn space into a profitable endeavor, it's never going to not be profitable. So that getting there is the first hurdle because once space is profitable and you have bases on the moon, it just it just works. It becomes the biggest positive feedback loop uh, econ in terms of economics and human prosperity that we will have ever seen. Now, granted, it's going to crash the gold market. Once we hit the asteroid belt, it's going to crash the gold market. <laughs> it's going to crash. The, every gold is going to go from being uh, thousands of dollars to worth uh, a few cents. Like uh, it, we might need to find something else to base our currencies in. What what would you, man? Look, what about a year? We would have to start using heavier metals, wouldn't we? Because heavier metals would be harder to come by even out in space. What if we have, now hear me out, folks. What if we have a uranium standard? Because <laughs> you're not going to find that on, on the moon. You're not going to find that on Mars. You, you can barely find it here on Earth. What if we have a plutonium standard? Hmm. You know, because we're going to have to start using those heavy metals to, to base our currencies in. And if, if that doesn't fight the inflation, uh, we might be screwed. But, you know, the, the riches, the riches of space consume the vastness of space consumes us right along with its riches. But once you get space profitable, it's never going to stop it. And it just becomes a self feeding cycle. All you need is a base on the moon first. And then everything else falls in line. Now. And the reason I, I harp on the moon so much, the reason I harp on the moon is because uh, it's rich in resources. The first and foremost, it's a relatively big entity, which means that its gravity will help us get there. Its its gravity will help us if we you know start straying away if we, you jump too high. It, it's hard to jump too high on the moon, so you know you don't have to worry about jumping and then falling off uh, off the world. Its gravity simultaneously though isn't too great, such that it doesn't take long. It, it, it's not too great. So you can build a spacecraft of similar size to what you would build here on Earth, but your fuel would get like six times the mileage at a bare minimum. At a bare minimum, you get six times the mileage off your fuel. That means you get six times the fuel economy. So once you fill up your rocket on the moon, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a hell of a lot more for you out in space. Now think about that. 
because we use up damn near all of our fuel just getting out of Earth's orbit. Imagine that entire rocket that we just drop down module by module back onto the Earth. Imagine that as the fuel for a, a, a large ship, a colony ship, where you have multiple landers, like perhaps a dozen or a, two dozen landers, and then you have a, a fleet of colony ships all filled up with that giant rocket worth of fuel. Now we're talking, but these are things that you need a base on the moon for. And uh, I, the the moon is just there. It's, it's just such an obvious pick. Like why go to Mars when you could build a base on the moon and then every then you can go anywhere. Then you can go anywhere. And that's the reason I harp on the moon so much. It's, it's when discussing space, we can't go anywhere and do anything meaningful until you have a base on the moon. We have to have a, 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 a robust base on the moon, too. It can't just be some outpost. So that's, that's why we, we, we got to go. We got to go. And in terms of logistics, building a base on the moon is as easy as it's going to get. It's not going to get any easier from that point on. Like, let's let's really lock in here. Lock in and get to work. I think that these developments being made by Starlink from, you know, Elon Musk and SpaceX, by India, by Russia, by China. They built their own space station and they, they did a lunar mission not that long ago. I think that all these moves in space are going to lead us towards an era of prosperity and dis scientific discovery and innovation and industrialization. The likes of which we just can't even fathom. I, I, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's really, really exciting. But we need a base on the moon. And I think India's, I think India's onto something, folks. I think India's onto something. But that is all I've got for you today. I do hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast on my geopolitical podcast. Uh, uh, geopolitical going beyond the world. We're, we're going geo on the moon, not just geo on the earth. Or I guess that would be lunar politics instead of geopolitics but you know forget the specifics forget the specifics uh, it's all geopolitics to me ah the world is changing it's changing at rapid speeds uh to the point where we're we're not we're not only talking about uh the Bretton woods of the multipolar world order that's gonna last that's gonna usher in the new era that's gonna last at least the next 50 years or more but we're also talking about space and we're all, we're getting there we're really getting there now unfortunately america's not necessarily leading the way there but you know again i'd rather show up late to the party and do more meaningful things than to plant a flag and leave and i think that that's the game we're gonna end up playing in the end but no, no matter how the world changes, be it on Earth or on the moon, we will have fun watching that change together. Now, I've been your host, Haishan Wade, and you've been listening to This Week in Geopolitics. So till we meet again next Monday, servus. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and... Hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.